Business Unusual, separating economic facts from fiction. Good evening and welcome to Business Unusual on ZFM Stereo. I am Mona Lisa Dubey. This evening we are going to be looking at the agricultural sector with a special focus on technology use in that space. Now the agriculture sector is estimated to have grown by about 36% in 2021 and is actually expected to grow by a further 10% this year. Now if you have been following what's happening with a business news and uh, current affairs, the growth of the Zimbabwean economy has actually been based by um, the growth of the agriculture sector, looking forward to a good agriculture season. And the Minister of Finance and Economic Development allocated the Agriculture Ministry the largest portion of the 22 budget at $343 million. Now, I had a short conversation with a food crop contractors chairperson, Grammy Modok, at the sidelines of the Confederation of Zimbabwe Symposium, and he shared some of the insights on how to move the agriculture sector forward. In, in particular, I was particularly interested to hear that the majority of presenters and the governor agreed that inflation was the problem or the issue that we needed to address. I suspect that the method of addressing that may not be conducive to agriculture, but I think we appreciate that in the long run we will need to deal with it. I was also pleased to hear the governor say that we are not going to have any, any immediate changes to the dual currency system, which has brought a measure of stability. In, into how we do business, even at something like primary agriculture. Uh, and also pleased to understand, bearing in mind I'm not an economist, to understand the rationale behind retaining the local currency. I know that you spoke about how um, even the growth of the economy is based on maybe as well as agriculture, etc. What would you think would be some of the key fundamentals that need to be put in place to make sure that there is growth in the agriculture space? Yeah, the biggest single problem that agriculture is facing right now is a lack of investment, whether that's local investment or foreign investment. And it's because there's a lack of clarity around long-term stability and security. And that is what agriculture needs. Agriculture is not a short-term business. You cannot put up a, a bakery, for instance, expect to earn money in 12 to 15 months. It doesn't work that way in agriculture. So we need, we need confidence. That is the main thing that we need in agriculture, and we are not quite there yet in terms of policies or our view of policies. That was Grammy Mardok, the chairperson of the Food Crop Contractors, speaking on the need for investment in the agriculture sector. Now, as I said at the beginning of the program, we are going to be zeroing in on the impact of technology in the agriculture space. I went to Farm Hut, um, which is an online platform. Actually, I went to their warehouse, and Farm Hut is an online platform which is helping small-scale farmers deliver their produce in different parts of the country. So I had a conversation with the co-founders, Ryan Katai and Munya Makosa. Have a listen. So we are in the warehouse where all the production happens. So I uh, thank you for being on the program, gentlemen. No, Good much, to be here. Okay, right, so just walk us through uh, the process of what farm Okay. Um, so basically, the farm is two parts of the question. So basically, number one is that we provide free farming information for farmers. How we're doing this is that we're liberating the whole information sector. So you find that for a farmer to access information in Zimbabwe, it's expensive and they need specific and special devices for them to, in order for them to be able to do so. 
The second core of our business is that we do aggregation of markets for the farmers. Basically what we're doing right now is that we're taking farmers' produce, buying it actually, and then we're distributing it to our network of vendors, our merchants, that includes our individual buyers and also corporate buyers as well. Okay. So when did you uh, start FarmHunt and what brought about the need for it? Um, we started FarmHunt in 2018, right? 2018, yeah. I think the need came from um, the basic understanding of access, right? People not being able to access vegetables, people not being able to access information. Myself not being able to access vegetables information. So from that grew um, the passion and the eager and the vibe to be able to try and create and build for access for everyone to be able to get what we're able to get. So I think that's like um, that's that's way talking, that's where the passion emanates from the ability to be able to have all this information and approaches being able to access. So I'm interested to know what your, your background is, because for you to be able to identify such a need, you need to have a certain type of background. I'm a scientist. Um, so uh, it's, it's really something that's close to my heart, and I think it's also close to me as well. Um, um, I grew up with, you know, I never, I never got to know my mom, um, so I grew up with my grandmother. Um, she was always on this farm, our farm. Um, we always went there. I hated every one of those experiences. We always woke up at 4 a.m. and we did a lot of things. Um, so growing up, there was me, right? Getting to a rally where my dad worked was like, you know, one of those things I did. But then I always stayed in the farm. When they all passed, um, it's it's really something that came striking to me. And you know, when I met Munya, it's something that we were like. I mean, it's something that can bring us closer to our memories back then. And the challenges that we faced back then are still being faced now. So why can't we address this? But then with the International Best of Science and Technology, we're doing campaign engineering, you know, with these very, very scientists people. And we're like, why can't we bring tech, youth to it and be, you know, just be us? And four years, three, four years down the line, here we are and we're driving today. So who is your... Your target market, what sort of clientele do you have? We're looking at uh, underprivileged looking at vendors, we're looking at smallholder farmers, we are looking at people with really tiny farms that can't access the internet, we're looking at people who can't afford mobile data but have the eager and need to know basic information like whether you know when the cyclone just came a few days ago, so many people were not even aware because of how you asked you have where the access to internet data and that's the kind of people that we're looking at. We are looking at the mass in Zimbabwe, we are looking at the mass in Africa, the population, the larger population that can access the privilege that most of us have been able to access. So I think for us as the target market, smallholder farmers, vendors and people who don't have access to information. And we are mainly building everything in line with, 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 with their needs. What would you say makes FarmHack stand out? Because I'm sure there are a lot of other uh, tech or startups that are similar to the work that you do. And I know that uh, FarmHack was recognized as one of the top in Africa. And you actually got I think, funding from the Health Foundation, right? Health Foundation. So what is it about FarmHack that you think makes it stand out? I mean, um, there's something that you know, Steve, Steve Jobs would say, um, he beat on originality people appreciate it by it, right? Our stories are real, we're addressing a real problem, we are bringing out a solution that is accessible to the people that need it. So what makes us really stand out is that 
with a yarn, right? We work with a yarn and we are using tech and real tech. So when you're talking about true tech, I think when you explore more about that, we're using fourth, uh, you know, the, the, the whole fourth in that, the fourth industrial, you know, revolution tech, right, that we have right now. And given the market that we have, it's, it's all about having empathy, right? It's all about thinking about that grandma, Manika Mbuzi, and think, are they going to access our services? So as far as you have empathy, because in that Corona Google, when you have Corona Google, so him underst us understanding that, right, is how we manage to put our solutions together and channel them to different target markets, but at the same time bring them the funds that we want. Okay, so you spoke about the underprivileged. So right now as farmers, walk me through exactly what you do. In the morning, what happens? Like, I know right now in our background, there are people that are working. What are they doing? Where is it going? So our day starts in the morning. We have a bunch of um, smallholders, very important customers to us. They bring in produce every morning. And it's coming in from the rural areas. And some of our trucks are also being able to connect. Okay, so is it their transport or is it your transport? It's usually our transport. Yeah, so we have trucks that are going there to collect produce and bring it here. Um, this is just trying to. How far are you going? Um, as far as the as far as the grassroots can go, right? What we're trying to do is we, we know that there's a lot of cost and logistics that come with um, marketing produce, and you find that, that many farmers are being overpriced by people who own logistics. Or really, they're not logistic companies, are they? They're just two or three people who own a truck, right? And they're rather overpriced the farmers. So we are going there to the grassroots. Collect the produce, bring it here. All this here is processed, it's ordered, um, it's put into, it's graded according to size and according to quality. The farmers are paid instantly, the cash, and then they can obviously go back to their farms and continue what they're doing. All the produce has been graded here, it's um, in process, it's taken out to vendors in the morning. We take up our produce each and every day. Right? So, you know, vendors need, instead of them going to Mbari now, we just have our tricycles and our vehicles delivering the produce to them. And um, we've got our drivers and the logistics team working on that. Um, whilst obviously the procurement team is also making sure that they do research and uh, calculate harvest dates for the next project that will be different times. And after that, um, we have the, the vendors following their money is collected from the vendors. And this obviously increases their capacity in terms of what they can take us in there. So what's the need for you, Ryan? What's the need for you as, as farmers? Uh, I know that Munyanga spoke about uh, issue to do with, with, with costing and trying to make sure you have favorable pricing. But at the end of the day, what is the need for you? Obviously, you're not doing this for free, right? <laughs> Definitely. So we, we don't hide this. We're a very full-on for-profit company. Um, but then we're social entrepreneurs, right? So with social entrepreneurship, all that entails is that for every solution that we change out into the market, it is to address the real need and, and, and solve people's problems. So we devised a way where we can have a win-win on both sides. So what Monia mentioned uh, that we help vendors, what we also you know, was going to mention is that we also bring out a credit facility for vendors. So we have vendors who, for many times, they have had their stock going down and down and down over the years up until their stock is like this one. So what we're doing to those people is that you can order and take our produce and you can pay us over time. What we want you to do is to be productive in the space that you have. And whilst you're doing that, we're ensuring that as well we're increasing our networks and you know avoiding all those costs that are coming with it. So we are not a charity organization, I will not lie about that, but then whatever we do has a social impact. Right. Uh, there's an article that I was reading and you, you they called you to 
the next African billionaires. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you see yourself going there? I mean, you're already you're I, already getting good funding. I mean, um, obviously, um, we're going to be billionaires. That's that's not a secret. Um, I mean, it's not something that we even think about. What Tech it, is the future. Yeah, what we're thinking about right now okay. is. Is Zimbabwe going to rise up to the world rising as well? Right? That's what we're thinking about right now because you're being a billionaire fuck in that. Right. Right? So if we manage to solve the problems that the people that we're addressing to then I don't think as a, as an individual I'll fall to sleep at night. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, what have been some of the, the challenges you have been facing as a, as a startup or what have been some of the challenges that you have noted to be uh, within the agricultural space? I think the main challenge is there's a huge gap in terms of um, people understanding what, what's really going on right on the ground and um, people up there knowing what's happening. So that huge gap makes it really difficult for you to be able, number one, to access farmers, number two, to be able to get to those farmers. And actually for those farmers you even trust because you find out that um, people only know a few organizations that are helping our farmers. And now a startup comes through to them, it's a fashion, it's a scare, right. but thinking that so you can't need to steal their money. So that huge information gap and that uh, lack of access to almost everything has been a huge, huge obstacle. And obviously, you know, there's there's basically no startup regulation in Zimbabwe. Um, we are treated as much as the economy is treated. There is no difference. Uh, we still comply to the same things. And that also is a huge hurdle. I think Ryan mentioned that for us to be able to have that social impact, right, we need to reach a certain number of people. And before we reach that number of people, there are no profits before that. So you only get to um, get to that point after you reach two million or three million people. But before you even get there, there's so many expectations because you're Exactly, exactly. exactly. So that, that's been a huge obstacle, obviously, to us. I think um, other startups across the world also, also confess that it's a huge problem that people have been suffering. And obviously, the biggest part is that we're young, yeah. that um, you get into an office there. And yeah. you're with your dreadlocks. <laughs> Everybody's just saying, come on, financial is serious. Mm -hmm. So it's been a huge problem, yeah. but um, it's something that you take up every day and you believe that you can work on and you want to make sure that people still trust you, regardless right. of how you look and how old you are. And uh, speaking of all of this, have you considered partnering with other organizations, farmers' unions? Are you working with any partners? Yeah, so when it comes to partnerships, it's so strategic. Um, there's nothing that helps more than having a partner with you with more uh, mutual relations. So we're actually in partnership with a number of companies, uh, but then the biggest one of them all is the Zimbabwe Farmers Union. Um, we once in partnership with a logistics company with whom we've been block ties, but then right now we've been full on with our own logistics. Um, with the ZFU, I think it's the biggest partnership that we have. Um, they're, they're giving us so much um, you know, help when it comes to understanding the grassroots, when it comes to even churning out the solutions and even creating the solutions, and even mentorship, because there's a lot that we don't understand about farmers that they've been able to manage to understand over the past few decades that they've been in operation. So for us, um, I mean, when it comes to partnerships, we're, we're already getting into another internet where we're, where we're going to be zero-eating our own platform. 
by selecting a menu and offering our platform for free, which means any e-commerce subscriber can access our platform without any data. So why why we're doing that is because you know I'm thinking of my Coco. Is she going to go there without data? Even if she has, is she going to go on a website? No. So what we're doing now is access for everyone. Then we will spend our dollars to the last dot to make sure that everyone is about to have, that you can view this website for free and learn. As we wrap up uh, this conversation, what's, what's, what's your future looking like? What do you see from that in, say, five, ten years? You know, I, <laughs> that's, 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 that's quite a small and big question. Yeah. Because it's, the, 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 the goal is, is obvious, right? But what needs to be done is totally different. I think to put it in short is our goal is to revolutionize supply chains in Africa to make it very, very easy for the most ordinary family to be able to sell. And to make it very easy for the most ordinary women being in Zimbabwe to be able to access high quality fresh products. Right? And that's been a very huge problem. It obviously um, there's ripple effects. I think I told you that we answer it. There's ripple effects on poverty. There's ripple effects on community development. There's ripple effects on so many things, right? But the short answer is we need to revolutionize supply chains, how um, how it works for someone to be able to access A, B, C, D. And obviously, in the long run, we're hoping that everyone, Zimbabwe is an agricultural country, um, places like the United States, I think one nation, right, have grown through agriculture. Right. And it's important for everyone to be able to access the youth, to be able to access information, how agriculture is done, how best to make sure our country is prepared for it. And to young people that are looking to also have their startups and grow businesses? Um, I, I think I just have a few words for you. Try, try and try, right? You keep fighting every day. You know, we slept at uh, 4.30 a.m. today. The day before it was the same and the same. Try and try until something happens. Never think that it's for the gifted, it's for the funded, it's for the best. It doesn't start like that. Just try. Thank you guys, okay, we'll leave it to your work now. <laughs>So that was the conversation I had with Ryan Katai and Munyama Kosa, who are co-founders of Farmheart, and we headed at their warehouse, one of their warehouses here in Harare. We now take a quick break, and thereafter we continue with the conversation here on Business Unusual. Hit after hit. Right here. Welcome back to Business Unusual. I'm Mona Lisa Dubey and we are continuing with our conversation in agriculture and focusing on the tech space. Right now, I am joined by Nomaliso Musasiwa, who is operations manager with Fresh in a Box, which is also a startup that is focusing on agriculture, etc. Nomaliso, thank you so much for making time with us today. Can you can you tell us uh, the importance of especially smart technology in the agriculture value chain okay so um in the agricultural space the tech that has been there things like drip irrigation motion uh, moisture sensors motion sensors uh ph sensors and stuff like that has been used to um increase the yield 
for the farmers around whether it's you're doing dairy or you're doing uh crops whichever or, or like or meat production the idea around the technology that's being used now is to increase a farmer's yields because a farmer's yield translates to uh more money in the bank you know it increases more value for them so that's how fa- uh, we as farmers have uh, embraced the technology within the space but in the value chain in itself the ability to trace food from where it is produced to the last end user who is the customer is where the technology has developed to for us to be able to track and trace that the food that i'm eating where is it grown and how is it grown and because of the food standards that are there we are able to actually follow certain links and be able to trace if the produced food is good enough for the consumer or if the consumer needs to track back where maybe they had a problem or just for their interest sake to know where their food is grown it's easy through technology to do that track and trace now now you know that uh the growth of uh, the zimbabwean economy has been based on the growth in the agricultural space essentially do you think that when you look at how uh, the, you spoke about the different types of technology that is being used in order to increase yield for farmers, do you think that there is enough that is being done to make to make sure that we are putting in enough to ensure that the agriculture actually grows enough to grow the Zimbabwean economy? To be very honest, I think there is. Right, um, we can see with the development of uh, dams around. Um, many of the agricultural areas in most of the provinces that water is not only designed to develop city models but it's supposed to enhance agriculture specifically and most of the people that are going into farming now are taking the choice to use the tech like the drip irrigation systems for them to be able to effectively and efficiently water their crops or feed or you know water for their animals so that they're able to get the most out of it and not much of the water is lost in the atmosphere or lost in whether it's seepage or whatever but then like most of us in Zimbabwe with our agricultural space we are trying to adopt more of the technology to help us increase our yield however we're not at our level best but i think that there's been a really huge shift towards that direction another 5 to 10 years i think that will be at that point and when you look at delivery i know there has been a lot of um um developments innovations that have been done towards especially issue to do with delivery linking the producer to the end user as as you highlighted earlier what what sort of i know that you as a fresh in a box have also put in certain measures to make sure that you link uh the farmer the producer to the end user what sort of innovations are we seeing in that space well i, I suppose that the the responsibility to distribute food has not only we, we decentralized that from being um the responsibility of retailers to distribute food to certain well in the industry of um logistics and distribution ideally it was designed to access people who are in the peripheries we've decentralized the model of distribution of food to the end consumer through retailers and shops who literally have physical shops where a customer has to come to and those who are in the peripheries or in further out areas don't get the opportunity to experience um certain types of food in our case fresh as fresh as possible because of their distance from a retailer and because of the logistics and delivery options that we've did, that innovation by itself allows people who are even further out to have access to that kind those kind of goods but not only that 
it reduces the risk of many farmers losing their produce. Firstly, from post-harvest, because you now have to move it to a central distribution point, like in our case, Mbare Musika or the Bulaya market or the Gweru market. And then from that point, you have to now allow the people who are in that space to distribute. So you're also cutting out middlemen who don't necessarily do a lot of the growing, in, but also influence the costs to the end user. That's what the delivery system in itself wanted to curb. Number one, accessibility of the goods and the food, but number two, to remove any costs that are layered by any middlemen participating individuals between the producer and the end user. All right, so you speak about how it has been expensive to have uh, to transport uh, the logistics between the producer and the end user and because there is a middleman in between and I know that these innovations have somewhat sought to uh, reduce this cost and make sure that everything is uh, everyone has access to certain fresh products as you said but to what extent is it actually cutting the cost because at the end of the day in as much as it's an innovation to ease the logistics and distribution and make sure that there is a bit of inclusion it's still a business and there's profit that is to be made the profit absolutely exists in the sense that when you deal with the farmer who does not have to deal with logistical cost of taking to a central market the price that you get for those kind of vegetables significantly decreases and you pass on that gain to the end to the end consumer so as a business we still get to have that profit because number one we are also participating in the farming space but we also get the profit in the sense that when we are passing it on to the client it's still value for money with our profit in mind and with our profit included what other opportunities are you seeing in the agriculture space for uh, for young people that are into innovation and uh, to plug in into that agriculture value chain Um, The value chain in itself is a very huge chain, you know, other than just the logistics or the production or um, the distribution or the value addition. There's many spaces in which technology in itself can come into play. The one big space that we're still yet to see how that unfolds is the financial technology of agriculture. How do we finance an industry that has so many uncertainties yet it is the backbone of most developing countries' communities? So financing agriculture should not be a governmental responsibility, but even private players must come into that space because it increases the activity for young people to be able to be engaged in an industry like agriculture and it stops being frowned upon as an industry that only has that's only designed for the poor, the poor or the people who did not go to school, you know. So things like fintech are going to be a huge space in the agriculture value chain for people to play in. Things like cold chain and um, logistics distribution, the, the tracking and the, sensor, the sensors around all of that is also another big space that young people can come into play with that. And I think understanding the technology within that space and harnessing it will definitely change the face of agriculture in the field. So earlier I spoke to um, to Ryan Katai who is with FarmHut and he was speaking about some of the work that he does and something that he brought up about how there is a gap between um, startups and uh, bigger companies that are trying to maneuver in the tech space as well as in the agriculture space. Are these some of issues that you can relate with in terms of starting to feeling? I know you spoke about a number of uh, gaps that can be filled within the value chain. You spoke about fintech. How do you see 
that progressing, and what needs to be done in your opinion to sort of like ease、um, young people into getting into it. I, I wouldn't say there's going to be anything that can be eased for us to get into for, for young people to participate in this space because a, a new space is like the wild wild west. The only way to conquer it is for you to just go in guns blazing. But I agree with Ryan that the bigger companies do have. Some sort of footing where they want to play at the same space that startups play, and I guess the what would I say? Not necessarily an instruction, but then a something to probe for the startups is that one thing that big companies don't have is agility, and this is something that we've embraced at Freshener Box to say whilst we are a startup, we're going to be so agile that big companies either want to compete with us and we beat them still at that. Or we start to collaborate, and we've made ourselves be able to be also very good collaborators and keep our brand in front of the big players because there's no other way to do it. With big players, they will either snaffle you out or you have to play with them. But there's no rules that can be changed to make things easy. You just have to play till the level ground,、uh, the the playing field levels itself. Thank you, Normalisa, for your time and talking to us. Uh, on business and usual, on your take on what can be done in improving、uh, the technology space in the agriculture sector. That was Namalisa Msasiwa, who is operations manager with Fresh in the Box, and that concludes this evening's、uh, episode of Business and Usual. I'm Anelisa Dube. Have a pleasant evening. Business and Usual, separating economic facts from fiction.